All right, welcome to another episode of the Empowered Perspective Podcast. I go by the name of Demiso Josie, and today is going to be a special, special podcast. I'm missing my co-host, Stacy, and um, some things that we got going on, uh, but this is going to be a special one-on-one podcast, and I'll get to the special guest that I have in the building in a minute. Uh, but just some housekeeping things real quick. Um, in the new year, 2018, we're going to see some changes to our podcast. We're going to go on Podbean um, so that you'll be able to download uh, your favorite episodes of our podcast and um, be able to access some different things that we got going on um, with the Empowered Perspective. So be on the lookout. If you're following us on Facebook right now and Twitter, you've probably seen a little bit of things coming out with Podbean. Um, but I will give out more specific information as we work out the kinks with that. But that, make sure um, you stay tuned for those changes. Um, we're also going to change the format to the podcast a little bit. We're going to be introducing, not only we're going to have Stacy on the show, obviously co-hosting it, we're going to have Dr. Iglesias on uh, more often um, as a co-host and my man Kareem Spence from It's a Man's World uh, podcast. If you remember, he's the one that called himself Petty. <laughs> he was a single guy that was on there, so we were on Welcome to the Podcast. Uh, man, the Empowerment Perspective group got a lot of things coming up um, in the talks with a couple other authors as well. Um, also, Dr. Iglesias' book's going to come out. My book is out, Life Music, and this is what we're really going to be digging into today because my special guest all the way from North Carolina, somebody that's really, really, really special to me, uh, my father's in the building. How are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm nervous, but I'm here. Thank God. <laughs> what are you nervous about? There's nothing to be nervous about. Nothing. We're just going to talk and um you know, talk a father to son and um, explore the book a little bit and um, get into some of your personal testimonies. And um, I really want the people to understand how um, a relationship can go from a father to son relationship, especially can go from where we started to where we are right now um, in our in our lives. So um, being able to share that story, even though I mentioned a little bit in the book, I think that's the, the gap that's missing. So I want to give people um, an intimate look into our relationship and hope set it to help somebody else cultivate, uh, rekindle, and recultivate a relationship um, with their son. So uh, I'm going to dig into the book right off the bat. Uh, you were one of the first ones that actually read the book. Um, so what was your initial impressions of it uh, when you first read it? Um, well, when I first read it, it was uh, helping me out because there was some times that we missed together and, um, as I began to read, uh, it, it was enlightening, very enlightening. Um, there were some things that I missed in our life, uh, our relationship that um, tied together, mm-hmm. brought some, brought some uh, closure on some things for me. I understand that. Um, you wrote the forward to the book. Thank you for that. And um, a lot of people are making comments about that forward. Um, let's take let's take us back to the when I asked you. I guess it was it was through a text message, I do believe. And where where were you, and and what was your response to it? Uh, I was, we we were attending a family uh, convocation at Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, they were we were doing some singing, and what really the song that we were singing was uh, the question was if the Lord called you, what would you do? And everybody would say say yes. And we were saying, say yes. And then my phone went off in my pocket. And when I picked it up, I seen the message Demiso had asked me to do the forward on his book. And I hollered, yes. And it was in unison with everybody when they were singing yes to what would the Lord do. So it was kind of, for me, spiritual 
that, that, that question came up, and then I started, I got teary-eyed, and the pastor asked me what was wrong with me, and I showed him the, the message, and he kind of looked at me, he understood, because he knows the relationship that me and Miso, the Miso didn't have. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm looking at this, this forward, and, and I'm reading it, and when you sent it to me, um, I got a little choked up as well. I don't remember. I think I was at work and um, I got the actual document. And at first I was hesitant in opening it. And then I believe my secretary was like, just go ahead and open it and read it. And she closed my door and, you know, I had, a, you know, got choked up about it. Um, and it took me back, though. I went through a range of emotions with that forward. Uh, it took me back to the, the story that you told, uh, the, the football game. And I remember that like it was yesterday. And you came down and we were playing Clearview Regional High School, and you know, you talked about that pass. Um, walk us through that that moment for you when it stands as, as a father seeing your son play. Well, uh, I'm an avid football fan because I played football, and and to see them out there on the field, uh, it was really uh, touching for me. Mm. And uh, when the play unfolded, I seen him. Uh, run a route and I and I was sitting in the stand so I seen everything and um, when he ran across the back of the end zone it, it, a quarterback the quarterback Jason Pose he was being uh rushed and he just for some reason got away from a couple of defenders and and throw the pass and when Demiso went and stretched out in the end zone and it just missed the tip of his fingers and me knowing I, me knowing football I would love to have made that. But if he had caught that ball, I believe I'd have ran out on the field. Mm. <laughs> but I, I said some choice words I can't use. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to keep this piece <laughs> as much as we can. Um, but that play really was like a symbol for how me and my friends grew up back in the day in Stanger Avenue. We're going to get to Stanger Avenue, um, you know, as far as your perception of the lawns in Stanger Avenue. But just, you know, us you know, escaping the pressure and, and the, the pitfall to the neighborhood and, you know, reaching out for opportunities. So that play kind of was like a, a symbolic to what we dealt with um, throughout our lives. Um, but I want to get into Stanger Avenue and I opened up the book with Stanger Avenue. Um, Stanger Avenue is in the lawn section of Glassboro. Um, I guess technically it's Elk Township um, and it's pretty much like a mile, a mile radius um, area um, where we all grew up. I know that you weren't originally from Stanger Avenue. Um, what was your impressions of it when you first moved into the neighborhood and how did you, how you got there? When, when I first moved in the neighborhood, it, it, it was, uh, it, I was kind of shaken because, uh, nervous because I didn't stay, I stayed with his aunt. Uh, I, and I didn't know anybody. And most of the people that I met they were telling me that Stang Avenue was a dangerous place to uh, to hang out. So most of the time, I I would stay in Glassboro, mm -hmm. and I never did do any do any hanging around uh, Stang Avenue because it was too close to home. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anybody, and I was shaking, nervous about meeting anybody because I didn't want them connected with my family. Hmm. So Stang Avenue was considered dangerous back in the day. Yes, it was. Because um, I, I know when, when we were growing up, um, there was people that were afraid to go down our street. But to me, it was normal. I mean, yes, we had all the inner city issues, you know, drug dealers on one end of the block and uh, prostitution on the other end of the block and everything else in between. Um, but it was home. Um, it was a, a place that, you know, 
I, I'm very fond of even to this day. And it didn't seem dangerous back then. But I guess um, the same elements were around when, when you guys were there. Um, so let's talk about the, the, that time and that era. Um, we, I was born in the 70s, so I guess we're going to talk about the 70s. Um, I mean, just in terms of being a, a black man during that time period, um, let, let's, let's talk about the music first. Because I think the book is called Life Music, and I, and I think music played a, an important part in your life and your self-image. And we talked about this briefly coming up from the airport today, um, you know, black and proud music and all that stuff. So what, how, how did music affect you during that time period? Well, back then, uh, the music was like Otis Redding, and uh, uh, it, it was to me it was country uh, black music, but it was it was a lot of uh, like bars and a lot of drinking and a lot of crying and a lot of uh, uh, yeah people were crying. In the bar, they're crying in the bar to the music. Yeah, well, you know they get so drunk and they start crying, man, and, <laughs> and, and they were singing and crying, and the ladies was oh, and it was it was it was a uh, country to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of drunkenness, uh, and, and up and down Stang Avenue, there were with the typical people with they what they would call typical Negroes, mm. and these people were like. Uh, they, some of them were church goers and some of them were uh, what you call Sedini people mm. and so we didn't socialize that much I didn't anyway because I was new and they, and they kept their own, they had cliques mm-hmm. where they had a certain amount of people that would uh, certain uh, type of people would hang out together but the music uh, Otis Redding James Brown mm-hmm. uh, the one of the one songs that uh, they sung a lot was back then was uh, I'm Black and I'm Proud mm-hmm. And uh, I guess a lot of people were still trying to find some identity. But the one thing about Elk Township, the black person, they they all huddled together because, you know, it it was that black and white issue stuff Mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. It was real rapid back then. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just didn't didn't go around uh, in the white people's neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Understand. So the, the dynamics of the, the neighborhood, I guess, in terms of the, the friends that you did develop, um, I'm, I'm assuming because I, I know me and Jay and, and, and Randy and those guys that I grew up with, we talked about our, our fathers and then you guys knew each other. Uh, I don't you know, Jay's father and, and, and those things. And you had nicknames for each other, which kind of got passed down to us. <laughs> a little yeah, bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and I'm sure, you know, I'm going to do this for my friend Jay. Um, hopefully he's listening. Your your, your nickname was Spook Juice, right. so they they gave me that nickname as well. Um, what what? Why did they call you Spook Juice? Because of the color of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it was okay for us black people to do that, right? But if somebody uh, of Caucasian or somebody of other uh, light skin color would do that, I would be offended. Mm. But I was considering myself as fitting in when they called me that, and I said, "Wow, they like me." Mm. So it was okay for them to call me that, but it was it primarily was because of the color of my skin. Right, right, right. And it's interesting now hearing that you know the, the racial situations back then on Stanger Avenue, it was relatively almost the same um, for us. But I think it was more of a situation, an economical situation for us. Um, right. So if you know you came from a single family home, if you didn't have a whole lot of money, uh, it didn't matter what what color you were. It's just that you were just in that situation. 
Um, and I wrote, wrote in the book um, the first time that I felt like I was different is when that young man called me that that N word in the book. Um, and it kind of changed everything as far as I'm, you know, race relations with me. Um, but the same, it sounds like the same dynamics that you, you know, you were living in the Sanger Avenue existed um, in, in the same way that went where I was growing up in. Um, so it, it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, I want to get into dig a little deeper here. Um, you, my brothers are older. Um, talk about the moment. Yeah, you realize that you had sons coming, twin sons at that. Oh wow! I mean, you talk about, see, at first, um, I, I had the mumps when I was sixteen years old. When I had the mumps, the doctor told me that it was a, like an eighty to ninety percent chance that I was sterile, and I would be sterile because of it, my glands were swollen and uh, my neck and everywhere else in my um, re- reproductive area. And uh, he told me that you you wouldn't have no kids. Hmm. So uh, when uh, their mother became pregnant the first time, well, she lost the baby. And, I, and, and for the most part, I, I, I knew it was going to be a girl. I even named her. Mm. But then the, the second time around, uh, she, we had, uh, they, the doctor said, uh, well, we didn't know we was having twins for a minute. Mm. And then the doctor said, I hear two heartbeats. And then I said, man, it can't be. I said, because the doctor told me that I couldn't have no kids. Mm. So you could imagine where my head went. <laughs> <laughs> and it was all messed up, man. It was sort of like Joseph in the Bible. Uh-huh. I said, man, that can't be. It can't be. Uh-huh. But anyway, you know, uh, when, because uh, we was in college, and she had a baby, baby in college. When I went to the hospital, the doctor looked at me. He said, you can't go back there. That it's too late. Mm. But he said, but you're a father of two fine boys. Mm. Had a boy or more. <laughs> two boys. I said, wow. And then when we got married, we had another son, which was Demiso. Mm. And I said, one more, and I have a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, we're not having no basketball team. So, uh-huh. but, that, but that's, it was, it, it was a, uh, if I could use the word, it was a high that I, I still have. Right, right. right. Now, me being a father now, one of the things I struggle with is how do I prepare my daughters for the world that they're about to to enter um, from all aspects as a, as a female and as a, as an African American female. Um, how do I prepare my my child for this crazy world? When you when your babies were born, me and my brothers were born. Where you did your mind go into that? How how can I prepare my child for for this world that you know back in the seventies and eighties? Well, it, it, the, what I really, uh, really wanted to do, and I had in mind to do, was to raise them the way I was raised. Mm. And my dad raised me, at, which I didn't know. I thought he was God, so I thought the, the way he raised me was the, the way typically a man was supposed to raise a child, or what uh, the characteristics of a man was. Mm. And uh, today I know it's different. Mm. But I guess he was dealing with the cards that he was dealt with because when he was coming up, it was real the uh, black and white issues mm-hmm. were ramp running rampant back then. But uh, I guess you know he it was real wide open. Mm-hmm. I remember when uh, my mom said we was in the car one day and they was riding, we were riding in the car and. Uh, some white kids came and looked at the car. Me and my sister sitting in the back seat, and he and they said, 
oh, look at them two bears, the black bears in the back seat. Mm-hmm. And my mom said she had to just keep on riding. She couldn't turn around and do nothing. And I remember my dad having some issues while people calling him the N-word. Mm-hmm. And he just buckled up his teeth and kept on going because mm-hmm. they were hanging people back then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it was always an issue with that back then. So, but I really wanted to raise my kids. I wanted them to, uh, I wanted them to, to, I didn't know how to be a father because we, we came from a dysfunctional family. Mm-hmm. And my dad, he left us on a Christmas. And he left, and uh, my mom and dad, we didn't know too much about it because mom and dad would never let us ha- hear the conversations that they had. It was always like, you don't, uh, you don't sit in a grown folks conversation. Mm-hmm. You would always, you would never hear what they were talking about. But it's, it got escalated to fights. I used to hate the, I used to hate for the weekends to come because I knew it was going to be a fight. Alcohol just took over our house. Mm-hmm. And uh, dad separated, dad left, and he never came back. Mm. So I didn't have any conception of what it was like to raise a, a family. Only way I knew was the way that my dad did with me the little time, that, the, the time that he he had spent with me. Mm. But I did want my kids to go to college. I did want my kids to play football. I did want my kids to play basketball. I, I, I was just sports oriented, so I did want them to do that. Mm. But... Uh, yeah. And then we talked about this on the way up. And if I'm going too far, we can, you know, steer the conversation another way. But we had a conversation about um, you see a lot of yourself in, in me. And, and I'm looking at the, the what you just described as, you know, the lifestyle that you, you grew up in and, and the, the family dynamics. And it was it's like a mirror image of, you know, what I, I kind of went through differently a little bit. Um, you know, with you leaving and, and alcohol and drugs going through, my uncle abusing uh, me and everything, or us and everything else, it, it, it's kind of interesting that, you know, that there's a parallel there. there. And, and, you know, the, the goal now is to try to break the cycle and try to, you know, be you know, something that is foreign to me. Um, and I say that because I had a conversation with somebody the other day and I said, I don't know how to do this. I don't. I, it's almost more comfortable for me to be in that situation where we didn't have anything. It was being abused and things because I knew how to maneuver in it. And now that I don't have that, this this lifestyle that I live now is, is so foreign um, and, un, and and on some level, so uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. But I just found it interesting that there was a it's a parallel between the way that you grew up and and, and the way that that I grew up. Um, and. You know, I'm not placing blame on anybody. It's just the, mm-hmm. the, the situation that, that happened. Um, so your father left, um, I guess, the, take me to the mindset of the decision to, to, to leave. And you don't have to get into the relationship part mm-hmm. between you and my mother because that's your relationship. But um, I, I'm assuming that it was a hard decision for you to, to, to make that decision. Like, I guess, where were you mentally at that time? Well, um, it, it was it was difficult because I really loved my family because I, I, that's what I wanted. Mm. You know, I had I had exceeded everything that I really wanted to do in life. I went to college, played college basketball. Got on, I made the college basketball team. Mm. I met an intelligent woman, and I had some kids. And I came when I got out. I, I uh, we built a house. We had an acre of land. We built a house. And for the most part, I was one of the predominant 
black person in the community mm. because I was at the age of uh, 25, 24 years old with th- three kids. Uh, I was making pretty good money. I was an insurance agent in the community. Uh, we built the house and two cars. I mean, everything was booming for me. It was like, how am I doing this at 25 years mm. old? Right. And, uh, and there was some jealousy in the community. Mm. I dealt with that. There were some people, uh, my own people, they they were jealous because of me doing what I was doing at that age. And uh, so me and my wife at that time and the kids, we were battling some of that stuff within the family. Mm. And I didn't, and, and for the most part, I said, man, this ain't, this ain't right. And uh, then uh, if I could say, the the um, your uncle, mm. me and him had to run out many a time in the house because I, I felt that he was jealous of me because of the way I was doing what I was doing, mm. and he wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then again, he I tried to side with him and try to have a relationship with him, but he was doing things that I didn't uh, confide with. You know, he was crazy. He, he and a lot of people was telling me that your brother-in-law is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I kind of shied away from him, but then there was times where I thought that he shot in the house and shot the windows, shot out the windows in our new house, hmm. and uh, he would come out and run around the house making noises and stuff like that and doing all kind of crazy stuff, and you know, and I said I can't take this, hmm. and then I was, and then uh, I was listening to because uh, at that time I was uh, entertaining drugs and alcohol, and and it was the Demons that were telling me, man, you need to leave here. You need to leave here you, mm. because something's going to happen. We even, uh, me and him got into a fight one day at, uh, in the house because he was telling me that this is his house. And I guess it was because I had the kids at the house and his mom, she wasn't going she wasn't gonna to take my side and, and leave her son. So... Mm. It was almost like I had to get out. Right. Let, let, I'm going to pause right there because I need to, I guess, explain the dynamics of, of, of my mother's family at this point in time. My, my grandfather at this time had passed. That's my assumption. I never got a chance to meet him. Um, so my grandmother had a house and uh, my uncle lived there. So I guess he saw himself as the man in the house because, you know, the, the dad right. had left. So right. I just wanted to set that dynamic right. up right there. Right. He did. He he and and then that part, that's why he said that was his house, mm. and I understood that part, and I felt like I was imposing on him. Mm. So we did build a house, mm. and we moved out, but it it it, it, it didn't fit too well with him. Mm. But I, so I never socialized with him. Mm. But the part about the separating part was it, it it was getting to the point where I felt that I was going. Uh, to put the drugs and stuff. I didn't want that to be part of our family. Mm. And uh, I felt that their kids and and their mom were safe because mm. they were around the family. family. Gotcha. And the family was like, you know, first of all, I was looking like an outcast because she was pregnant in college and I did it. Mm. You know, and they were looking at me like, why did you do this? And she ain't finished college. Mm. So I left college and came and started working and taking care of the kids while she finished school. Mm. And then when she finished school, then we got married. 
But, you know, it was a typical, uh, I was wrong. Mm. But when I, I, I felt that the separation was mutual. Mm. That's what I felt. The separation was mutual because I wasn't doing what I needed to do to be in a typical uh, father. Mm. And, the, and the, the system wouldn't let me because they wouldn't give me no job. I mm. couldn't get no job. But she got a job. They would let she work, but I, I I even got to the point where I went to write a resume and I was get, I applied for a job at South Jersey Gas Company, and a guy told me he said that you overqualified. Mm. I said how you be overqualified? <laughs> I said well I can get underqualified, but I needed a job, right. so I felt less than because I you know here I am a man with a family not having a job, and then also had a stigma that she was working and she was making more money than I was and I was supposed to be doing that. So, and then I felt real less than it. It was the way I perceived uh, a man supposed to be running the family that he's supposed to be making all the money he's supposed to be and all of that. That's the way my father was raised. So I thought that's what the word, the way it was. Right. uh, Some pressure got to you at some point. Right. And on top of, you know, the the demons and everything. The demons, right. Exactly. I was listening to them and they was telling me to run, 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 run. And and I was taking where, when I, when I left, I took the demons with me. Mm. So it it was, it was, it was ugly, but I paid for it. Mm. I'm still paying for it. Mm. Mm. I'm still paying for it. But I know now what, it is to be a man. I know what it is now to face confrontation. Mm-hmm. I know what it is and now to not listen to those demons. But on some level, I, I think that, you know, we all have demons of, of some sort. And I, I think that you had to go through what you had to go through in order to get to where you are right now. And I had to go through, like, there's no there's no guarantee that if, if you and my mother stayed together that, you know, my, me and my brothers would have been great. You know, we would have been uh, successful, man. There's no guarantee to that. But the one thing I can guarantee, at least for me, is that the lessons that I've learned um, in your absence and the situations that I went through got me to this point, you know, where I am right Right. now. So uh, on some level, I think that when you dealt with what you had to deal with, you know, it it was building you for for this point right now. Like, I, I, you know, and and, and for the most part, I, I assume that if I would have stayed and kept the family and, and and the way I was, I would have been hard on every one of them. Mm. And, and, and it wouldn't have been like, there's some black families and, and also other uh, nationalities that I see the father in the house with the family, but it's just like he ain't there. He ain't there. Right. You know, the kids hating the father mm. because of the way he's treating the mom and the way he's not treating uh, them, he's just there. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 I'm not making no excuse mm-hmm. for what I did because, I, I'm, like I said, I'm still paying for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, like I remember times that I used to play football and basketball and, and 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 baseball and go to games and stuff like that. And my father would never, mm-hmm. never go to one of my games. Mm-hmm. I'd walk home with my glove and. Some other team members would bring me home and they said, where's your dad? And dad, he would be home. He wouldn't go. Mm. And I and, and, and that hurt me, man, because I always wanted to prove something to my father. Mm. I wanted to prove to him that I was good and that, you know, I want him to be proud of me. Mm. But he never showed up. Mm. 
And uh, and the most part, you know, he'd be sitting in the chair, and when he get off from work, he'd have his feet up on a hatchet, and I would go over there and take his shoes off and take his coat off, and I said, Daddy's tired. Mm. But little did I know, Daddy was drunk. Mm. You know, so... Mm. It, it, it tore me up, man. But I still loved him, man. Mm-hmm. I loved him to death, man, because that was that he was like a god to me. Right. And right. but he would never show up. Mm. Never. And he showed up one game, at my last football game. He was standing on the sideline, and and, and and I never knew he was there because when we played, you don't focus on the people in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And when I got to the end of the game, he was standing at the gate. He said, good job. Mm. And that was it. And I never played no more football or nothing after that. Mm. But, but I always wanted him to be there. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I tried now. And my wife looks at me like I'm crazy sometimes. Like when my daughters go out and have their games, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm there 100%. And if I'm not there, we're FaceTiming or something. They're going to at least feel my presence there. Um, because, um, you know, I know what it feels like to look up in the stands and I see, you know, family members there. Um, and I do remember the times that you come down and, you know, the Clippy games and the other games that you were there. And it was a, it was a special moment just to be able to see, you know, your dad up in the stands watching you play and getting excited about the plays and, and things of that, that nature. Um, but going back, at least for me, I know that I was young when, you know, the separation happened. And I, I it, Parts and pieces that I remember, like I remember you coming up. I remember crying when you, you when you left. Um, but I didn't necessarily. I was too young. I didn't understand it. I didn't know I had a connection to you. I just didn't understand the connection. Um, so for me, the journey was like I knew you existed, and I knew that you know you were supposed to be there. Um, but the same time, going through what I went through with my uncle, that consumed everything. So and 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 it, I guess crazy twisted way, it kind of took my mind off the fact that you weren't there because I had to deal with, I had to use all my resources and energy to deal with that current situation, uh, which was really, really, really messed, you know, messed me up. I, I, I can't say this, though, and I really believe this in my heart, for whatever which way it goes. But if I was there, that wouldn't happen. Hmm. Because I, I didn't know how to be, uh, I wasn't a violent type of person. Hmm. I still am not a violent type of person. I wouldn't, but I knew that I had to be there for for my family, mm. and and we me and him had a fight for that same reason mm-hmm. because him uh, stepping out of bounds with with in front of me, not respecting me in front of my wife and kids. Mm. I knew that was his sister. That wasn't that nothing to do you about, about that. that right? And you know, and, but but the, he needed to give me some respect. Mm. So me and him fought, mm. and, and and it would have been, and I was scared, but I didn't let him know that, mm. and. Uh, so I believe that if I was there, it, some, something would have happened, or or something would didn't would have, but he wouldn't he wouldn't have been messing with y'all. Mm. And that would have never happened. You know? mm. Mm. And, and see, and she and your mother never let me know mm. that that was going on because I would came back up here. Right. I mean, there was. He would never. She never told me. I don't even know if she knew to the extent that he was doing, you know, things to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like he was. I mean, it was it, the bad part. It, it seemed normal to me. It was like a bunch of you know punching and smushing your head down and cursing, profanity, throwing stuff like that. It was just it seemed normal um, to me. I just thought that just what family did and this is what we went through. And not until I got older to say, hey, this is this is messed up type thing. Um, and it just got to a point for me where it was, and I wrote about it in the first chapter of the book, and I just made a decision like it's either going to be me or him. 
And I was okay with killing him, you know, for yeah. that, those two seconds because I had enough. Um, I kind of felt the same way mm. when when that when him had that conversation, mm. and he was like, you know, he he throw that tough guy image out, right? And I said, man, oh, this ain't rap, mm. you know, not 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 with me. Mm-hmm. And, but I was scared. Mm. I was afraid. Mm. But I also too seen. And identify what you said about the, the uneducation in him. Mm-hmm. It, it was there. He mm-hmm. didn't have any. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, he didn't have a little bit. Not, not even a little bit. No. So this, this was his defense mechanism. Exactly. You know, so to try to get back. Right. And I don't and and see by his dad not because if his dad was living, he wouldn't been. He wouldn't. Have. No, <laughs> no way that would have happened. And and see, and back then there was only one man in our whole family. Mm. And that was their uncle, mm-hmm. her, her father's brother. Mm-hmm. And he didn't fool her. He, he ran a gas station when he retired and couldn't run a gas station no more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bueller, uh, and Sis, um, and Sarah Watts, and all of them were single women. Mm-hmm. There were no men around. Mm-hmm. And so Charlie was the only one. Charlie uh, Jr. was the only one. But he never, they didn't confide with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then here I come. You know, and I did what I could to men in the family, but I didn't fit in. Right. All right. Wow. Um, I want to go to a place because you mentioned um, drugs and alcohol and, and, you know, I guess touch on addiction a little bit. And, and you've uh, gone through that, that process and, and has, uh, you know, turned it, turned it into the page in terms of that situation it was this concern um and we talked about you when we were coming up here talking about you giving your testimony the first time um was that liberating because technically that's what i was doing in this book was giving my testimony was that liberating for you at that moment when you were were telling you know your your story yeah that was the only that was the only the real therapeutic way of me uh getting sober or clean from drugs I had to reach down inside and reach down and tell the truth, bring all that stuff out. Mm. And once I got it out, it was free. Mm-hmm. It was some freedom. Mm. Uh, I didn't have to lean on that vice or drug or anything to make me like somebody that I wasn't. Mm. Were, yeah. Do you think you were trying to live life just so people saw you a certain way? Well, my counselor told me when I was in one of my... Uh, rehabilitation episodes said that uh, I like attention. Mm. So I asked him, I said, what do you mean? He said, you like attention. You like to make people laugh. You like to be in the center of a tax uh, of attraction. I said, why you say that? He said, do you play sports? Mm. I said, yeah. He said, do you like to win? I said, yeah. He said, where do you play football at? I said, at a football field. He said, it's in the middle of a stadium. Mm. I said, well, he said, where do you play basketball? I said, I play basketball on the court. He said, it's in the middle of a, a stadium. You got fans and stuff around you. You like being in the crowd. You like to be the winner and stuff like that. He said, when you was in school, you was a class clown. You like to make everybody laugh. You like attention. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, I guess they're right. He said, yeah, that's what it is. He said, you want to be a part of. Right. And he said, and a lot of times, that drug that you had, you were being in a group with a whole bunch of people, making them laugh mm-hmm. and, and showing out and getting attention. He said, but if normally if you didn't have that drug, you wouldn't be in the front in a crowd and nothing like that. Mm. And then I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, because you shy. Mm. I said, what do you mean shy? He said, yeah, you don't, you don't have no 
general rules. <laughs> I said, man, you're getting on my skin now. He said, you want to go get high, don't you? I said, no. I said, but he said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to tell your story and tell the truth. Right. So I didn't know how to tell the truth. Hmm. Because all I did was uh, I was making myself somebody I wasn't. Right. And then uh, after I got that freedom, you know, uh, I didn't put nothing back down in there. Mm. I've always, one of the uh, characteristics of me being sober, staying sober, is to tell the truth. Mm. So I make it a habit now. I don't lie. I lie, but I have to go to my Savior and ask for forgiveness. Mm. But I I try to tell the truth of everything. Even right now, I'm telling the truth as much as I can, even though it's hurting me. Mm. But I, 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 mean, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to, to have this discussion. I'm glad. And another one of the other things that I believe that back in my, when when your mom and I were together, if I would entertain some course of spirituality, mm. I believe that we still would have been. Mm. You know, we would have family. We're going to get to. to Spirituality okay, in a minute. Okay, we're going okay. to get right. there in a minute. We're, we're by no means nowhere near done. But um, I, I guess, you know, we go through the, the, the situation. You're going, uh, dealing with the things that you were dealing with. And then um, my college graduation comes. And it was time when we had that. And we, we wrote about it in the book. And my mother's basement. And we, we had that conversation. And, um, you know, when, when you apologized, and I kind of laughed and was like, you know, thank you for not being a part. Um, of my life, I just have to say that it was like that to me. That was like a, a big moment, and the fact that you were man enough to admit that you didn't do things right, and that you know it was you wasn't there, and you, and you understood all of that, and coming to me as a as a growing man at that particular point in time and say, look, this is the, the mistakes that I've made, and it was kind of like you were saying, don't go down that path to me because that's the message that I kind of got. Um, so my statement of thanking you for not being a part of my life was sort of more so you telling me that this is not the path that you need to go down with your future family. So that's, and that's what I was thanking you for. Um, and in that sense, um, and I know that was, wasn't an easy conversation to have down there, um, in the basement and not going to speak for my brothers, but we all digested it differently and process that conversation differently. But, um, for me, that was a, that was a big turning point and, and moment because I was coming off the heels of the situation with my uncle and, and similar situations like you using alcohol to kind of numb the pain and trying to run from, you know, those demons. And then I, I felt like when you were telling your story about being the center of attention, I felt like I was talking to myself. Because <laughs> when I watched this, like in high school, I, the position I played was quarterback. What position did you play in high school? Quarterback. <laughs> see, see, see. So we played basketball. Yeah. You know, we went on to play college sports, too. So there, there, I really feel like I'm having this conversation with, with myself on, on some level. Um, and it, it's kind of eerie. Um but um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I talk about um, the events of 9-11 um, in the book. And where do you remember where you were in 9-11 and what was going through your, your mind? I, I was at work and um, they, they showed it on. The, we had a kind of I mean, had a monitor on the, on the board and they were showing. They said we're being attacked. And I, and I thought they were talking about the job. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of could me being a supervisor. The first thing I wanted to do was get all the uh, associates together and kind of uh, like a fire drill, give an account for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know. 
And then they said that the country was being attacked, and they showed it on the screen. And uh, that was the one of the devastating things that ever happened because I started crying because it, it something just came over me. Mm-hmm. You know, wow! It was because I lived through the uh, President Kennedy getting shot. Mm-hmm. That was another devastating part for me when we was in school, and I, I cried because the whole. Everything was slumber. That's one of the times that our country pulled together. Mm. Flags were hanging out, but I, it, it, it just took some out of me when that happened. Mm. Yeah, it, it's, it's it's amazing how you know the, the people can come together um, during difficult times. But the sad part is, within a couple of years or even a couple of months, we kind of go back to our you know usual normal exactly. ways. And it's a shame that we had to you know wait on disaster in order for people to come together. Because when I was on that train coming back from 9-11, it didn't matter what color you were, or what age you were, or what sex you were, it was, we were all in the same situation. And I, and I wish people would just do that more often and to see people as people and, and not necessarily, you know, you know, separate yourself because of some, some belief, but everyone just kind of came together. This just proves that you have it in you. It's just a matter of, you just need to exercise it more often. Um, so that it was in, that's, that's very interesting. Um, I want to get to something I guess interesting and, and entertaining. My thirtieth birthday party, because <laughs> apparently this was an epic event that a lot of people uh, came to, um, and you came up to to, to the party. Um, what what was your experience like at the thirtieth birthday party? Wow, man! I've seen it, and and. and let me, and I'm, I'm going to go back to your graduation. Uh-huh. The fact that you uh, invited me to the graduation, it was a healing for me mm. because I was at that time uh, going through a program, working a program of being clean and sober. Mm. So a part of that program was going going back and asking for forgiveness. Mm. And, and I said, I can't do that. And then they said, well, you're going to have to because that's the only healing that's where the healing process starts. Mm. So I had to ask you and Rashawn and Jamil uh, to forgive me. Mm. And not only did I ask you and them forgive me, I went and uh, the, uh, your stepdad at that time, mm-hmm. I went up to him and I said, thank you, man. And he looked at me like I was crazy, mm. you know, because I never had any relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, "What you th- thank you for what? I said, man, I want to thank you for helping raise my my son. Mm. You know, and that 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 was some healing for me. Mm. Then. But it took it took me some genitals to get up and ask him to do that. So then when we came the next time I seen him, I didn't duck him and dodge him. Right, right. You know, but uh, he had a long history. Right in there. Right. But anyway, when that thirtieth birthday came, well, I'm gonna stop you for a I second because it, it just it just dawned on me that. You, you said where you were at that moment of the uh, graduation. I was dealing with similar but different things on, on myself because I was in a spot where, um, you know, I was waking up in the middle of the night with cold sweats thinking my uncle was coming after me, the type thing, you know. And, you know, I was dealing with, you know, the, looking for, you know, that father figure, you know, a healthy one that was around me. And I was just like, I have to do something. Like, you know, I, have to, I have to do something. This isn't working. The drinking isn't working. Like, something has to happen. And, you know, we'll get to this, you know, later in terms of faith, but I truly believe God was like, you know, you need to invite your father to this graduation. You need to 
first get, be at peace with that situation before we can deal with anything with your uncle because there's there's some you know unresolved things. So it, I, I I remember it was like yesterday. I pick up the phone and was like, "Can you come to my graduation?" Because I was wrestling with this whole entire thing and the same thing like. Uh, the program was telling you to ask for forgiveness. I didn't know what the conversation was. I didn't even know if it was going to happen. I just know that you needed to be there for some reason. And God was like, you need to get him there. And here, here in this conversation, he was doing it for the both of us. Yeah, at the same yeah, time. Exactly. At the same time. Exactly. So that was just, that was very, very interesting. Exactly. And, and I really, I really, and, and, and when you, and I went to the graduation and it was awesome, man. And I was so proud of you, man. It was, you know, it, 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 it was awesome. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. Then you get back to that 30th mm. uh, birthday. Um, it, 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 it was wild. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, but see, again, I really love you and appreciate you for asking me to attend that because uh, it, 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 it was some healing for me. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was ate up with that guilt from what I did. Mm. And it wasn't what I did that really messed me up. Is what I didn't do mm. that caused me the most anguish. Mm. You know, I didn't stay there. I didn't do this. I didn't go to football games with you guys. I didn't this and I didn't, you know, protect you from your uncle. I didn't do this. I did. It ain't what I did. It's mm. what I didn't do that caused all the damage. But it was healing, man. When you invited me, I said, wow, man. And, it, and I didn't get it from all three of them, mm. but one was enough. Mm. You know, mm. I, I wasn't batting zero. So <laughs> that, that that particular point was was very strategic because I felt like, all right, the, the graduation I dangled the carrot, and then once you bit on that carrot, I got him. I, was like, I got yeah, him. I yeah. got him now. So then I'm gonna invite him to the thirtieth. I'm calling. We gonna have. We gonna develop this relationship, and you know, progress to where it is right now. And was like. You know that that thirtieth was that moment of you know my dad is is back. You know what I'm saying? Right. And we can start over and start wherever we are. And 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 I guess the the one thing that made me make that decision is that conversation was was like you you told me I can't tell you how to live your life. You know I can, all I can tell you is how to be there. Yeah, you know, I'll be there for you. And I respected that so much at that particular point in time because the worst thing that you could have done is like came in and said, you know, I'm your dad, and this is this 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 this. Nah. That wasn't going, not not with my attitude and the things in my no, temper. That wasn't no. going to work. That wasn't going to fly. <laughs> no, that wasn't going to fly. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. But that thirtieth was like you know that that moment where it's like you know what I I can establish this relationship and I had all the people that were important to me at some point in my life at that particular part. Um, so that, it was monumental. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. Man. <laughs> it was it fun. Was. But it was, it was. It was like you know, I got a chance to party with my kids. Mm. You know, and that's what we did. Yes. You know, and, and fathers and sons can party without the father being a father and right. the child being a child. You know, we were just we had a good time. Right. Had a very good time. <laughs> it was funny that you said that uh, uh, when. Uh, because I remember asking the question, I kept saying, would y'all forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then Rashawn, I think one of one said it, he said, look, Dad, let's not go back. Mm -mm. Let's go forward. Mm -hmm. Let's forget about the back. We we, we got we got a relationship now. Now, right. And let's go forward, you know. And then I think you did say, and you said it again just now, 
I'm so happy I got my dad back. Right. You know, so that was me saying, okay, bye, demons. Mm. You know, mm. uh, the, the alcohol and the drugs, I was healing then. Mm. And I said, okay, wow, I got a fresh start. Mm. God gave me another chance. Mm. You know, so it's interesting that you said that. Because mm. it was typical right then. Right. So it is possible, people, that you, if you're listening, you got a relationship out there that, you know, that has been strained for so long. It is possible. Um, and we'll, we'll transition in a minute into into faith because I think that played a huge, huge part in this. But don't give up on those relationships if if it's the right time and, and place for it. Um, and don't just, you know, write it off and say that this person can never, ever be a part of my life. Um, I want to get to something that, you know, is... Uh, it's a difficult one, and I wrote it in the book um, specifically about my nephew um, and his diagnosis with cancer. And uh, that that one in the book, because at the time I was still dealing with this, you know, the alcoholism and the drinking thing. And one of the biggest things that tore me up during that time when I found out that he had cancer was I couldn't be there for him even if I wanted to, because at that particular moment in time, when I got the phone call, I was intoxicated. There was no way for me to even get up there. Um, so that moment was like a moment of clarity for me. It was like, yo, enough, I'm, I'm going too far with this entire thing. Um, and I couldn't even be there for my brother or, or for, for my nephew because of, of you know, the addiction to, to whatever I was drinking at that time. But um, when I got that call, it was it was. And then I'm reflecting on it. It's, it's starting to move me a little bit. It was, it was a shame because I felt like he didn't deserve that. But then you know God has a plan, and you know, and we'll get to that in a second. But he didn't deserve that um, that diagnosis and and things. But uh, what I've seen this young man do and persevere through, I, I've never met a more strong, a stronger person in my life, and the way that he's handling. Uh, things and and he's definitely a source of motivation for me. And people ask me, you know, you're in a million different things, and you, you know, how do you you don't sleep and you do these different things? And, and the God honest truth is, every so often when I get to that moment, I'm like, I think about Marcus, and I think about him trekking through campus with his nose bleeding, and he's going to take his his final, and he's dealing with this cancer, and he's still moving. Like I don't have anything wrong with me right now. There's no reason for me not to to grind and, and to move, you know, and, and do the things that that I can do. So that 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 power and that thing um, that he has in him um, is amazing. And it's just a source of motivation for me. And, and I know you're developing a relationship with, with him and, and, and my brother, but I guess just take us through what you were feeling when you heard about Marcus. Well, when when when, uh, Mark, when, when they told me Marcus had cancer. My immediate uh, uh, pain and my immediate uh, concern was Jamil. Mm. You know, again, it's a situation with my son that I'm helpless. Mm. I can't do nothing to, inc- uh, to, to take away the leukemia. I, I wanted to, for the most part, go up to him and just, he, he, he loved me for just being there. Mm. I, I mean, it wasn't nothing I can say, mm. you know. And Marcus, he's amazing. Mm. You know, he 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 possessed some of the uh, ethics and the desires that you have. Mm. Marcus has that. He he he's 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 going he's going all out mm. for whatever it is. And so, like when he had leukemia, to me, 
it didn't phase him. Mm. Me, that's the way I felt. Mm. You know, he had it, but the side effects was what was messing, messing with him. Yeah, yeah. They, they're still messing with him. Mm. But the people was just like the alcohol and the getting the disease of the alcoholism and drugs. That the person, their family is the ones more sick than the than the person that's on. Mm. The family is ate up because of the love that they have for that person. Mm. But the uh, I got a sister that got myeloma. She got uh, cancer herself. And she goes around just like it's nothing. Mm. She's taking care of her. She got an autistic son. She got another son. He's just turned 19. And uh, she's and my mom's 91. And she's been taking care of her. And she moves around just like it ain't nothing. But it, I admire her. You know, when she, when I'm around her, I don't treat her like, you know, like she got a a, a terminal disease. Mm. I don't treat Marcus like that. When I talk to Marcus, I talk to Marcus just like he's normal. Mm. You know, I don't I don't lean on that. And he talks to me. The relationship that I got, again, you know, I I wasn't a great big part of his life, but I'm there. And he 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 still love me for who I am. Mm. You know, but I, I love his drive. Mm. Yeah, he, he's he's a miracle. I think people's character and what they're really about comes out in moments of of tragedy yeah. and, and strife. And mm-hmm. you know, you know, you got people that are gonna rise to the occasion, you got people that are gonna run, you got people that are gonna do different different things and you know, try to numb pain and all other stuff. But um for whatever reason, I mean that that, that man is is, is amazing. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I can't explain it. Yeah. And um, I'm just proud of the the, the fact that I, I can say that I'm his uncle, um, and I know there's going to be amazing things in the future for him. Um, but it did bring me to that particular point, kind of brought me to a place of um, leaning on uh, faith and leaning on on God, because uh, that literally I was hopeless in that that moment. And you know, once I got my moment of clarity, you know, I, I began to pray and, and began to look at my own life and see the role that God played in my life and is currently playing in my life. And the, I mean, the blessings he has given me is that I can't even thank him enough or even, I, I don't understand it on some level uh, because, uh, you know, I look at my life and say that given the circumstances and all the elements, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to win. I'm not supposed to have all these successes. And then people ask me, the, the only thing that I can explain is just, through the grace and power of God. I mean, I just don't know what else to, to, to say about that. But um, talk about faith. And because you mentioned it a little bit earlier and the role that, you know, faith in God has played in your life as, you know, a father and going through recovery and dealing with your demons. And it's just talk about faith and how, how it has played a role in your life. Well, um, I was raised uh, as, as, as a faith. We had a faith uh uh, center in house, our family when we came up, uh, but the alcohol just took that took it away. Mm-hmm. And we used to go to church, and, and mom and dad used to sing in the choir, and we used to go to Sunday school. I was raised with God, but I never understood it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was more or less I was just going and going and going, and I never understood what it was, and then. My father, he after a while, he got to raise in the house without uh, no spirituality, and the only spirituality was the alcohol. Hmm. And so, 
it, it just tore it tore our house up. And I, I believe that if I were to entertain uh, some spirituality or have some faith in the uh, when the, we was coming up with mm-hmm. the kids and stuff like that, I would have gave you. We would have some structure, with mm-hmm. some based on. But uh, the only way that I was able to get sober and get clean from alcohol was that I had decided to follow my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And I knew what it was, and I developed a relationship with my Lord and Savior. And uh, I understood him, and I followed his ways, and, and I'm here today. Mm-hmm. And I understand why you and Rashawn and Jamil are blessed like you are today. Because when we were, we, when, when you and your, me and your mom, when y'all were young, we had y'all Christian, and uh, and we did uh, all the little things that we, the things that we were supposed to do, circumcision and everything like that with the kids, and we were heading in the right direction. And I took the wrong turn, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, faith base was always there, and I and I believe what you you were blessed then. Mm-hmm. And you continuously being blessed. And for me to hear you say that, you know, the Lord has been blessing you and to hear the Lord has this and the Lord, and you see it, mm-hmm. you know, I connect that, all that together. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, because of my faith, uh, I know what it means to be uh, a man of the house, a spiritual leader of the house, spiritual leader, a spiritual guide in the family. And, uh, and if I'm not centered, right, the blessings that were coming for me that were designed for my family, they won't get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I got it. I got it now. But I know because of that, I'm able to put them demons down, put them behind me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my whole perspective on life is uh, faith. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of faith today. Yeah, you definitely have to have it. I mean, I'm... I'm going to take my halo off here. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm overly religious and, and, and all of that. But I just know that the times that that I rely on my own vices and the times that I um, let the demons get into my brain, I, I know my house isn't right. You know, things, you know, mentally I'm not right. You know, my, my family's not right. Like, it's just, it's off, you know. And, I, and every once in a while, I got to recenter myself and fall back and say, you know, I need that structure. I need that 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 guidance, and I need that relationship. Um, but the thing too is that I believe that when and it's hard to do that when you're in, in, in the midst of your, your storm. It's hard to do that. You kind of bounce back to your own vices. But and I, and I said this kind of on the previous podcast. I do believe that um, he's planting opportunities within that storm. Yes, you just gotta you gotta quiet that noise in order to be able to find it. And one of the, group, the the biggest pictures that I see for me, and it, and it strengthens my faith, is the gap that was between when I left and to right now, the success and the, the protection and the guidance that God done for y'all, mm-hmm. he was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was the grace of God that you were able, I'm able to sit here now before you would have a relationship that we have mm. and with the other two sons and also to being able to talk to your mother mm. on a friendly basis. Mm. You know, it ain't nobody stabbing me and 
Right. And you know, and for the most part, the only one that was doing that, I was doing it to myself. Right. You know, I was doing it to myself, and, and even now, if I want to, I can sit down and go say, "Oh Lord, I should have done," mm-hmm. you know, and and go right back into that pity party, mm. and it ain't healthy for me. Mm. You know, and I don't need to do it mm. because this is God giving me new mercies. Mm-hmm. I got new relationships, a new way to live, a new life now. And I'm so blessed that I wish that everybody can, if, if everybody can feel, and anybody that has damaged relationship can mend them mm. and, and start a new one. Definitely is. But that, but but I, for me, I'm just saying this for me. Mm-hmm. It would not have been possible if it wasn't for my Lord's sake. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I want to move into value systems, and I, I, I don't know if you remember, but um, we were. At your house in North Carolina, we had a conversation. It was early in the morning. We, my father's crazy like me too. He wakes up <laughs> early in the morning, so <laughs> you asked where I get it from. A lot of you can see in this conversation where I get a lot of stuff from. Uh, but we talked about value system, and we talked about having values. And and to me, um, and I share it in a book. Um, you know, God is obviously the center of, of that value system. Um, you know, I may not necessarily recognize it all the time because again I'm, there's times I go to my own vices and things but he's definitely at the center and then there's you know things like family loyalty honesty being a man of my word kind of sprouts off of that and it's not necessarily a hierarchy it's more you know when when do I need to be honest and when do I need to be faithful like it kind of um, revolves around that um, at this particular point in time in your life what, what would you how would you define your value system uh, integrity of mm. uh, 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 being who I say I am no fake no uh, vices no just uh, if I say if somebody uh, with loyalty falls in there uh, even with the relationship with my wife my present wife today you know am I who I am who I say I am or am I do, am I doing what I said I'm going to do mm. but integrity got a lot to, that's my uh, of course, you know is uh, is, is God centered, but I want I want to uh, I want to be I want some people that have faith in me mm. and believe who I am. So uh, that, that, that word integrity is, means a lot to me. And I can say, I guess throughout the life, you have always been that way. Even in the times that you weren't here, it wasn't like I say that because it's not. It wasn't like you were making promises that you didn't, at least to me, that you couldn't keep. Like it was just, you know, either it was I'll try or I can. It was never I'm going to be there and then you don't show up type thing. So, you know, that integrity piece, even though you might have been in your darkest moments and doing things that to me, it was still always it was always there. I I just think it's shining now because the noise is gone. But I think it's definitely shining now. But um, that value system is extremely important. Because it drives your behavior. It drives everything that you do. Like, you know, if you have bad value system, your behavior is going to reflect those things. Right. Um, so it's important to have to have that. And it has to be, it's going to be evolving. Um, especially if you go from um, when you're younger to getting married. You have a different set of values. You have a different set of values when you have kids. And I think it's just, it's just going to con- continue to, to change. Um, I guess we... we Talk about relationships just in terms of because 
they, we always say that there's no book on marriage. There's no book on being a father. Um, right now, uh, you're married. Um, I'm married, obviously. Um, I guess this is digging into married life as a, as, a, as a man and our role and our responsibility um, as husbands to, to, to our wives. I know for me, me and Becca have been together for so long, but the moment that we got married, it, is, it completely changed. You know, she went from being my girlfriend to that's my wife now. So, you know, it, it completely changed. But there's no, no book on on marriage. Like, what do you think is like what's working in your marriage right now? Like the key that you think that's the glue for you? Yeah, for, for us, uh, again, I put and she understands it, that I put God first. Then I put her. Mm. I don't put her first and then God because it ain't gonna work. Mm. I tried that before. <laughs> but I put God first and then I put her. Mm. And 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 the other the one of the key uh characteristics of our marriage that it wasn't in other ones is that we're friends. Mm. We are real friends. Mm. And I, I said, Wow, because I tried to be married and then be friends right. to the who are married and didn't right. never work. Right. But we were friends and then we got married. Mm. Sort of like with you mm-hmm. but and so even if the marriage didn't work, we still, still friends. Be friends. Right. Yeah. Right. So it got to that point right. where I said, well, you know, because I'm older than she is. Right. I'm I'm 14 years older than she is. I said, you know, I'm dragging you through life. Right. And I said that and, and I'm to this season of my life where I'm taking choppy steps. And she's still taking them big steps. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And she said, yes, you can. It's in your mind. I said, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, she's saying, oh. And I'm saying, okay, I feel that you want to keep going. Right. And I said, well, I, I, I respect you enough to let you go. Mm-hmm. And she, she said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm, I'm always going to be with you. I said, that's because we're friends. Mm-hmm. We can be friends, you know. You just go ahead on. Right. And she said, no. Mm-hmm. So... The key thing is that we're friends. Right. Even right now, she's in California, Mm -hmm. and I'm here in cold, rainy New Jersey. You know, (laughs) but 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 she sees this that how important it is for me to be with you. And so she said, "Okay, bye." Mm -hmm. And she's out there in California. So. If we weren't friends, right, it would be like, oh yeah, you gonna make it get with Allison? What do you do? You know all that right. crazy stuff. But she don't, she don't see that, right? You know, she she sees us as as friends. So. I got you, I got you, I got you. That's important. Mm-hmm. And then I learned too to have a relationship. Now I know how to have a relationship with a woman. Mm-hmm. You know, before it was like, you know, uh, you do what I do because I learned that from my dad. Right. You know, banging on the table right. and making most money and running around, you know, who got the deepest voice and everything like that. Mm. You do what I say. <laughs> but now, you know, it's like I sacrifice. Right. And I do things that it ain't about me. Right. You know, see, and I nurture, I try to nurture our relationship. Well, see, that's where I struggle. That it ain't about me. <laughs> that's, that's my struggle. It ain't about me. <laughs> but the problem is, and then, like, we have kids, and you know, I love my wife dearly. Is that, that and I've been number one in her life since we were like thirteen, all the way up to when we have kids. Now, all of a sudden, my kids come. I'm number four, number five on the list, <laughs> and, 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 and 
it's hard for me to digest. I respect it. I get it. But it's hard for me to digest it because I, for so long it, it was all about me. So I'm sitting here like, man, it ain't. And it goes back to the, the spotlight thing. I'm, I'm quarterback now. Now I'm sitting in the stands. I ain't in the field no more. I'm sitting God, in the stands. Man. And it's eating me up. Man, you know, and some of that have a part of me why I left. Mm. Because, and the, my therapist said, man, you know what? You jealous of your own kids. Mm. What's wrong with you? Mm. And I, and, I, and, and I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I was like, you ain't got time for me no more. Mm. It's, it's, it's your mom now, and it's the kids. And, 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 and I felt like I was outcast. I said, she, you don't love me no more. Mm. So that was some of the decision making of me leaving. Mm. Because I didn't, I, I, the fascination wasn't there mm. like it was before. Right. And if I was any kind of in a half right mind because the demons was telling me to leave she don't love you right. she got another band you don't need this here you stupid mm. get out of here mm. and I left mm. but uh, uh, I did I, even like 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 like, like she was working at uh, Columbia Records mm. and the Columbia Records they would call at 3 o'clock in the morning mm. and I said well, who is this call at 3 o'clock in the morning and I picked up the phone and they hang up and then she get on the phone and she stay on the phone. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then she get up and go. Right. And then go to work. I guess that's where she was going. Right. But I, I, I said she got somebody else, you know. Mm-hmm. And it made me feel some kind of way. And mm-hmm. then the family was looking at me all crazy. I said, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. But I was jealous of my own kid. Mm-hmm. I was, man. And and and, 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 and my counselor said, man, yeah, even now, my wife... And her kids, they're not my real kids, but they come in between me mm. and her. Mm. And the pastor told me, he said, man, you're going to have to live no, with that. that. Yeah. He said, you're going to have to get in and with them and, and just jump like a bandwagon because mm. you ain't going to get between them. Mm. So if I knew that about my first wife and the kids, somebody knowledgeable, like if my dad would have told me, he said, man, you know, look. Hey, you need to be careful with what you're doing right here. Mm-hmm. You, you ain't doing it with barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> the, the mother loved the child. Mm-hmm. You won't want that. Right. You don't right. want her not loving right, the right, kid. Right, right. So, you know, I, it, it was crazy, man. But, no, yeah. It, I'm just selfish. <laughs> it's, a, yeah. it's a struggle for me. But, but, no, but you, the eye, your eyes is open now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Yeah, I <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, though. yeah. But, Cause it ain't about me no more. Nah, no, nah, not, not at all. It ain't about me no more. But um, we'll wrap this up a little bit, Dad. I definitely appreciate you. Um, definitely thank you for, you know, being brave enough to be on the podcast that people hear our stories, and I think that people that are out there that are, um, you know, fighting with uh, relationship issues and and things of that nature needed to hear, you know us talk and see where we are and um, you know we have that relationship now that you know usually on Sundays we call talk about the Panthers talk about the Cowboys the Eagles and you know just have that father son uh, you know relationship again and um, you know the important thing to me too is that my kids know who you are they know Pop Pop Martin is and they love you and respect you and they're excited that you're here and for Christmas and this is the first Christmas that I think we spent together ever yeah, yeah. so this is definitely um, awesome you know one thing I want to thank you and Rebecca because you without you and Rebecca the way that you love me and, and also you help the kids love me mm. Uh, you know, this this is astronomical uh, about how I feel and how I am, and I really appreciate 
you know, uh, how much you've done for me. Mm. You know, you guys, man, you, you know, you, I, any, anybody that has a broken relationship need to make an effort. It's not comfortable. I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. right now, it is not comfortable. And I would not advise you to do it without God. Mm. But, because there's going to be some ugliness in there. Yep. But I, the blessings outweigh all of the the, 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 the ugliness in it. Mm. You know, it, it's amazing how I, and, and they keep coming. You know, mm. we, we're here today and uh, I'm really inspired by your book. I'm inspired by your podcast. I'm inspired by what we're doing right here, right now. And I'm going to pass the blessing off. Mm. That's it. That's pass it, it off. Pass it off. I'm so glad you said that. I'll end with this faith in humanity story. I was in, and I've been doing this in a while, and while I'm buying people, you know, the next person coffee and all of this stuff, kind of passing it on. And then it kind of came full circle for me the other day. I was in there, and somebody, they had way more than the coffee, and they bought my entire, you know, thing. And then it was a long line, and I was just like, yo, the next person, you know, I bought, bought their coffee. And then and it kind of kept extending and passing it on, passing it on. Um, so, you know, they're perspective is about helping people and pushing on and, and just trying to make this world a better place you know what I mean stop you know you got to forgive some things that happened in the past and learn to move on um, but like my dad said you got to fight through some some of the hard times in order to get to your blessings uh, sometimes you need to have that conversation uh, to for yourself and for the other person um, so don't be afraid to to go out there and don't hold grudges like just stop like it, it, it happened it's over um, you know Forgive the person. Forgiveness is so, so, so powerful and and strong and um, so simple to do on some level um, if you get out of your own way um, and stop thinking that everything is is, is about you and about, you know, your wants and your desires. And just forgive people and learn to re-cultivate those relationships because that person may need you just as much as you need that other person. They do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, Dad, and I appreciate everybody for listening. Check us out on uh, theempowermentperspective.com or on Facebook under the Empowerment Perspective, on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Check out our sites. Don't forget that we'll be switching over to Podbean so you can download episodes. And um, Life Music is out. The audio book is going to be dropping in, in, in January, probably sometime once I finish that up. Got some special musical features on there, so we want to make sure um, you get a little something extra on, the, on the, um, the audio book. But if you have the book, please continue to push that out there and promote that. Um, again, it's, it's all about empowering people and trying to change people's lives. So until the next time, 2018. Wow. Stay in power.